Good morning. Welcome to Zion Lutheran Church on this third Sunday of Easter. Before we begin our worship, a few things to share. Uh, first is a reminder for council that we will have a very brief meeting following worship in the fellowship hall. So please remember, head over to the fellowship hall for that meeting. Uh, also a reminder that newsletter articles are due today. So if you have anything that needs to to get out to the congregation, let us know so we can get that out this week. Um, and then a reminder that uh, RSVPs are needed for the ladies' tea by May 8th, so just in a couple Sundays. Um, so if you're considering that, uh, please RSVP. Uh, and then a couple prayer requests. First, we want to keep Charlie Coates in our prayers. Charlie was in the hospital in Toledo. Uh, was transported there last night, I believe. Um, and so right now it looks like he might be there for a few days. So keep him in your prayers. And of course, Jane and, and Kevin and Denise, um, pray for them this week. Uh, we also want to keep the Bodicher family in our prayers. Uh, John's brother's youngest son passed away yesterday. Is that right? Yesterday. So Please keep them in your prayers as they, as they grieve and, and remember their family. Are there other prayer requests or other things for the congregation? Yes, Steve? Support committee meeting tomorrow at 7. Yeah, support committee meets tomorrow. No other announcements. I'll invite you to take a moment to prepare your heart and to prayer, prepare your mind for worship as we listen to the prelude. And invite you to stand. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, 
and from whom no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he who is faithful and just will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us confess our sin in the presence of God and of one another. Most merciful God, we confess that we are captives to sin. mercy of Almighty God, Jesus Christ was given to die for us, and for his sake God forgives us all our sins. As a called and ordained minister of the Church of Christ and by his authority, I therefore declare to you the entire forgiveness of all your sins, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the Church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. God, your Son makes himself known to all his disciples in the breaking of bread. Open the eyes of our faith, that we may see him in his redeeming work, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. A reading from Acts. Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Let the entire house of Israel know with certainty 
that God has made him both Lord and Messiah, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and to the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, so that your sins may be forgiven, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you, for your children, and for all who are far away, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to him. And he testified with many other arguments and exhorted them, saying, Save yourself from this corrupt generation. So those who welcomed his message were baptized. And that day, about 3,000 persons were added. The word of the Lord. We will intone Psalm 116. reading from 1 Peter. If you invoke as father the one who judges all people impartially according to their deeds, live in reverent fear during the time of your exile. You know that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your ancestors, not with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without defect or blemish. He was destined before the foundation of the world, but was revealed at the end of the ages for your sake. Through him you have come to trust in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are set on God. Now that you have purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, so that you have genuine mutual love, love one another deeply from the heart. You have been born anew, not of perishable, but of imperishable seed, through the living and enduring word of God. The word of the Lord.
according to St. Luke. Now on that same day, two of the disciples were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself came near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What are you discussing with each other while you walk along? They stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place there in these days? He asked them, What things? They replied, The things about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things took place. Moreover, some women of our group astounded us. They were at the tomb early this morning, and when they did not find his body there, they came back and told us that they had indeed seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see him. Then he said to them, Oh, how foolish you are, how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Then, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the things about himself and all the scriptures. As they came near the village to which they were going, he walked ahead as if he were going on. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, because it is almost evening, and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us? That same hour they got up and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and their companions gathered together. They were saying, The Lord has risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road, and how he had been made known to them in the breaking of the bread. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise you, Christ. I invite you to be seated. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, the story of the disciples on the road to Emmaus is much like the story we heard last week from the Gospel of John. In that story, we heard that the disciples were locked in a room. They were scared over the events that had happened the previous days, and they were confused about what the empty tomb of Jesus might mean. And so here we have two disciples who were walking away from Jerusalem. And we pick up the disappointment in their voice. They said to the unrecognized Christ who was walking with them, we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. In other words, they believe that because Christ was betrayed and crucified, he was in fact not the one to redeem Israel. He was seemingly just another good man, another good prophet in Israel's history, but they believe because of the cross, there is no way that he could be 
the true Messiah. They have no idea at that point what the cross means. But what's also interesting about these disciples is that they have also heard the report that the tomb of Jesus was empty and that the angels had told women that Jesus was alive. They even said that they were astounded by it. The news of the empty tomb, the proclamation of the angels, and the report they heard about it amazed them, and they did not know what to think. But like the disciples in the locked room, I have to believe that these disciples are afraid. These are the men who celebrated Jesus on Palm Sunday, who shouted out hosannas, who proclaimed him to be the coming king, all before his crucifixion, and clearly they had high hopes for what Jesus was going to do. But like the others, when Jesus was crucified, they thought it was all over, and they ran away in despair. And so now that the Sabbath day or Saturday is over and it's the first day of the week, they're getting out of Dodge. And that's an important detail. They've been told by the women in the group that the angels have said Jesus is alive. The tomb is empty and Jesus is alive. But they're not sticking around to find out. All right, if they were good disciples, it seems like they should remember what Jesus had taught, that he was going to be raised on the third day. And so I think we can conclude that Maybe they're a little bit afraid. Because if Jesus is alive, if he is risen, what does it mean for these men? These were the ones who were not by Jesus' side on Good Friday. Rather, these were the ones watching from afar in disappointment, trying not to be seen, trying not to be outed as Jesus' disciples. And so like the disciples in the locked room, if Christ has risen, then surely they will sit and be judged. And so they pack up their things, and they try to flee the scene. They try to get out of Jerusalem, the scene of their betrayal, the scene of their crime, because they believe if Jesus had risen, had risen if the women are right, then surely for them it's going to be better just to get out of the way. It's better to be out of Jesus' sight, because this risen king is not going to give them any kind of place in his kingdom. And so they pack up all their disappointment, they pack up all their sins, their shame of betraying Christ, and they walk away. They walk away from Jerusalem, they walk away from the scene of the crime, but most importantly, they walk away from the empty tomb. And in their minds, they are walking away from Jesus. They figure it's time to open a new chapter in their life. The story of being Jesus' disciple is over for them. They are betrayers, they are cowards. It's time for them to move on because surely Jesus will never have anything to do with them. And so because they're walking away, their eyes are prevented from seeing the risen Christ who stands right next to them. They look inward. They're aware of their disappointment. They see their disappointment. They see their dreams that never came to fruition. They see circumstances not as they had planned them, They see their own failures and their own disappointments. And that is the definition of faithlessness. It's the definition of sin. Our sin nature is sometimes defined by the Latin phrase, incurvitusse, which means turn in on itself. And our sin nature is that. It only looks inward. It looks inward and sees our fallenness. But it never looks out and trusts God's word that is external. 
And that's what's going on with these disciples. They don't look back to Jesus' word. They don't look to the empty tomb and hope. They just look inward and see their sin and disappointment. And so I wonder if that sounds familiar to you. Do you ever look at yourself in your life and see disappointment? Do you look inward and see sin? Do you look at your life and think it wasn't supposed to go like this and feel just a little bit of disappointment? Do you ever ruminate on your failures, the times you have hurt others, the times you have acted less than virtuously, the times you have been a disappointment, or the times that you have been disappointed, and so on? Because in that disappointment, these disciples on the road to Emmaus are trying to flee Jesus. They're trying to walk away from the empty tomb. And there are times in our lives where we try to walk away from Jesus as well. We think, Jesus does not want me after this mistake. Jesus would never want a failure like me. I have nothing to offer. Surely I disappoint God over and over, and we are tempted to just walk away. And sometimes we do. Sometimes we stop praying, we stop coming to church, we stop reading scripture, and we take our own walk to Emmaus away from Jerusalem. But what happens on Emmaus, on the road to Emmaus, is that Christ will not let us walk away. Just as he does not let us lock doors to keep him away, instead, he's always there with us. We cannot drive him away with our sins and failures. Instead, he is always there, giving us his word of forgiveness. And so with these disciples, when Jesus begins to open the Old Testament to them, what is he doing but preaching to them? Specifically, he is showing them in God's word that their sins are forgiven. He is showing them what it means for the Messiah to suffer and enter into glory. This means that he is showing them what his suffering was all about. Jesus preaches to these disciples about the cross that they did not understand, and he shows them that this cross was all about the forgiveness of their sins. As we hear in the prophet Isaiah, God laid the iniquity of us all on the Messiah. And this is what he preaches to these men. It's also what he preaches to us. Your sins, your failures, your disappointments, your shame, they're all laid on the Messiah at the cross. He takes them for you and from you. And Jesus isn't raised on Easter to condemn you, but to forgive you. And so once the disciples receive that word, then they're able to see just exactly who Christ is. They no longer believe that Christ would raise from the grave to shame and judge them, but they see that Jesus has risen to forgive them. With that faith, they're able to look inward, they're able to stop looking inward at their sin, they're able to stop being curved in on themselves, and they're able to receive the word of Christ, which is forgiveness. And that's when the miracle happens. Because when they are given faith, they're able to see that it is Christ who is with them, Christ who has forgiven them, Christ who will not let them run away. And that's what the breaking of the bread shows us. Christ is willing to fellowship with those who betrayed him. He sits down and eats with sinners, even the worst of sinners who abandon him on Good Friday, even the ones who we would consider an enemy, ones who would abandon us, who would betray us. Jesus sits down and eats with them, fellowships with them, and forgives them. 
And so for you this morning, this means also that Christ sits down in fellowship with you. No matter what your sins are, he forgives you. You don't have to walk the road out of Jerusalem in shame and disappointment. You don't have to be scared that the risen Christ will come for you in judgment and expel you from his kingdom. Instead, Christ says to you, you are forgiven and that he is with you. And that's precisely what happens at communion. Christ is telling us in a very physical way, I am sitting down in fellowship with you. I am breaking bread with you. I give you my peace and my forgiveness. And what good news that is. Jesus is with you. You cannot scare him away. You cannot run away from him. You can't lock yourself away from him. At your worst, at your very worst moment, there Jesus is, doggedly telling you, you are forgiven. He is saying, I will not give up on you. I will not leave you alone. Instead, I will always be at the table with you. He has risen for you. He has risen for your forgiveness. He is with you. Amen.
confess our faith with the words of the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, the eternally God and the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, the God not made, of one being with the Father, through him all things were made, for us and for our salvation. He came down from heaven, was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and of the Virgin Mary, and became truly human. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again, in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven, and is seated at the right hand of the Father. And he will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who in the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic Apostolic Church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Let us pray for the whole Church of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. O Father of the risen Christ, in your Son's appearance to the Emmaus disciples, he opened the scriptures and revealed himself in the breaking of the bread. Grant us grace that we too may perceive him as our Savior through his word and rejoice to receive him as the bread of life for our salvation. Lord, in your mercy. Lord of all, your spirit opens the Holy Scriptures to the hearts of your people. Enlighten this congregation by the resurrection light that never fades, that our hearts may burn in faith toward you. Lord, in your mercy. Lord God, you have poured out your spirit upon us that we might believe your truth and raise our children in that truth. Bless all parents and grandparents that they may faithfully catechize their children in your word. Lord, in your mercy. Almighty God, stifle the powers of darkness, of violence, and terror, and give, give us leaders who will seek peace and work for common good. Instill in them a love of righteousness and guide them in the pursuit of justice. Bless Joseph, our president, the Congress of the United States, Richard Michael, our governor, all state and local officials, all medical and emergency workers, and all members of the armed forces who protect us. Lord, in your mercy. God of compassion, those who suffer cry to you. Hear them and answer them with grace sufficient for their needs. Heal the sick according to your will, comfort the wounded, and give peace to those who mourn. We especially pray for Charlie, for Jane, for Linda, Jenny, Allison, Steve, Marilyn, Tony, Carolyn, and the Bodichers. You, O Lord, are our health and our strength for this life. Lord, in your mercy. Merciful Lord, your compassion is made known to us through your son's breaking of the bread. Open our hearts and our mouths to receive forgiveness 
in the body and blood of Christ, who suffered for us and entered into his glory. Lord, in your mercy. O Lord, have mercy on us when we are foolish and slow of heart to believe what the scriptures say. And pour out your spirit on us through the preaching of the gospel that the scriptures might be open to us. Through the same Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. And now the peace of the Lord be with you always. And also with you. Holy God, gracious and merciful, you bring forth food from the earth and nourish your whole creation. Turn our hearts toward those who hunger in any way, that all may know your care. And prepare us now to feast on the bread of life, Jesus Christ our Savior and Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right, our duty and our joy, that we should at all times and in all places give thanks and praise to you, Almighty and merciful Father, for the glorious resurrection of our Savior Jesus Christ, the true Paschal Lamb, who gave himself to take away our sin who in dying has destroyed death, and in rising has brought us to eternal life. And so with Mary Magdalene and Peter, and all the witnesses of the resurrection, with earth and sea and all their creatures, and with angels and archangels, cherubim and seraphim, we praise your name and join their unending hymn.
indeed, holy, almighty, and merciful God. You are most holy, and great is the majesty of your glory. You so love the world that you gave your only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but have eternal life. We give you thanks for his coming into the world to fulfill for us your holy will, and to accomplish all things for our salvation. In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread and gave thanks, broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. Again, after supper, he took the cup, gave thanks and gave it for all to drink, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this for the remembrance of me. For as often as we eat of this bread and drink from this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Remembering, therefore, his solitary command, his life-giving passion and death, his glorious resurrection and ascension, and the promise of his coming again, we give thanks to you, O Lord God Almighty, not as we ought, but as we are able. We ask you mercifully to accept our praise and thanksgiving, and with your word and Holy Spirit to bless us, your servants, and these your own gifts of bread and wine, so that we and all who share in the body and blood of Christ may be filled with heavenly blessing and grace, and receiving the forgiveness of sin, may be formed to live as your holy people, and be given our inheritance with all of your saints. To you, O God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, be all honor and glory in your holy church, now and forever. Amen. Lord, remember us in your kingdom, and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Thanks be to God.
congregation, please stand. Now let us pray. We give you thanks, Almighty God, that you have refreshed us through the healing power of this gift of life. In your mercy, strengthen us through this gift and faith toward you and in fervent love toward one another. For the sake of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. you and keep you. The Lord's face shine on you with grace and mercy. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace.
serve the Lord.